it's happy like Christmas. Time. Yeah, happy Christmas to you too. And, and Roger, happy birthday. Oh yeah, we, yeah, I did have one of those, didn't I? Well, so so have we. We're one year old. Hmm. Yeah, this is this is episode thirteen. We did thirteenth or sixteenth of December last year. Our very first episode went live. So to celebrate, we're having our very first office Christmas party. We've invited we're, back without all the drunkenness of our... and without the party hats. Oh, don't give them spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe some we're... drunkenness. But I don't want to answer for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We've invited back all of our guests from uh, previous shows in the year. Some of them have joined us. We have one special guest that's joining us as well for the first time. And we're going to talk about the best new-to-me games of 2021. Yeah, so we went from the basic principle that a lot of people talk about the new games, the new hotness, whatever. So let's instead say uh, this is this is what Shut Up and Sit Down Forum called the Minute Walt Award, because <laughs> he started the idea over there of the game that I played for the first time in this year, whether it was published this year or not. And without further ado, let's get to it. My name is Jana Minato, and I am a content creator. <laughs> I review board games, and I have been talking about sustainability in the board game industry on my channel. And that was one of the reasons that uh, Lee and Roger invited me on several several months ago to talk about that. Okay. I'm Ren Moltemakin from DDP Games. Uh, I have been designing and publishing games for now like over 10 years also some of the some of the games that Lee has designed so I guess that's one of the reasons why I'll be here I also I'm also personally quite interested of, of sustainability of, of board games um, and we have made some company policies on, on that that kind of area that are kind of aiming to to, to have more sustainable games than what we would have probably normally done. Oh, wow. That's so exciting. What is your, um, what is your brand or what games have you published? Uh, DDB games, which is Dragon Dawn Productions. Uh, but I think okay. in almost everywhere it's, it's known as DDB games. DDP games. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like David, David Papa. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Michael. Okay, I am Michael. I am uh, the one who is not doing anything creative. I'm doing. I'm. 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 I'm the marketing lad they invited to, to bring like the horrible businessy side uh, to the table, and I'm uh, basically interested in marketing uh, a brand called uh, Heidelberg Games, which is a Heidelberg like Huckleberry. In US, it means, and uh, we are a small brand from here. Uh, we are not so small inside Germany as we used to be partner of Fantasy Flight Games for several years wow. until our company was bought out by Asmodee, mm. and we just became independent again 2019 from Asmodee. So we are like independent studio and publisher now, again. But we have uh, deep ties with Asmodee globally. I think I work with six on six 
five continents with six companies of them still. So I still ask my boss, why have we separated? Um, <laughs> but uh, he says, that's the reason why you have got a job, Michael. And uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm the marketing and uh, uh, what is it? Head of marketing officially. And I've been in the industry for about uh, 10 years or 15. I started as a content creator like i created a print magazine actually oh wow and then i and then i was drawn into the business by another company called uh, pegasus and worked as marketing uh what is it called manager for 10 years uh, everybody seems to intersect That's with me. pegasus eventually one way or another i made them this big <laughs> i would say they wouldn't agree but actually yeah the way I envisage this working is just to take it in turns. Basically, if you can let our listeners know about anything you'd like them to know about, new games you've got coming out, or, you know, Jonah, for you, what you've been up to, any new streams you've got coming, anything like that. Um, and then also tell us your your game, of, your new-to-me game of the year, so it doesn't have to be a game published this year. Um, describe the game, tell us why you like it, and then the rest of us can ask you questions about it, chime in with our own opinions if we've played it, tell you why you're wrong. Okay, Jonah, I know you said you couldn't join us for the whole thing, so do you want to start? Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I can start. Um, hi, everybody. My name's Jonna Minato, and I have a board gaming channel on YouTube called One Pip Wonder. And uh, over this past summer, I started uh, thinking about sustainability and board gaming a little bit more. And um, just kind of reaching out with my board gaming community in the U.S., I realized that there was a pretty big uh, gap in um, information and uh, just awareness of the environmental impacts of our board games. So I really kind of delved into the subject and started making a lot of videos about the subject and talking with publishers board game designers, and recently been speaking with more manufacturers on uh, how our games are made and what they're made out of and how we can better handle the waste and all of um, all of the uh, effects that our board games have. So that is uh, what I've been working on. But I also just love playing board games, and I review board games, play board games with my kids. Uh, so... Yeah, it's very much a part of my life. It's very personal to me, and I love um, seeing it grow and becoming more and more sustainable. So, um, as far as should I just keep talking? Go for it, go for it, Jonah. Go for okay. it. <laughs> so we were asked to talk about our favorite game of the year, um, not necessarily from, not necessarily a current game or a hotness game, but uh, I actually played. Sleeping Gods this past year, which is a newer game. Yeah. I think it did actually come out this year. And that is the game I wanted to talk about because it is an, a story-driven, uh, choose-your-adventure-style mm -hmm. board game by Red Raven. And I was surprisingly taken with it. I played a lot of choose-your-own-adventure-style games and just found them disappointing and always just wanted to play D&D &D instead. <laughs> but this game actually really was enjoyable and has tons of story in it and you feel like you have a lot of places to explore and have adventures so that's the game that i really enjoyed this past year so you say that you were surprised have you played any of the designers other games um yeah well 
Yeah, I have. And my favorite one of his games was Near and Far, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed, but I felt like the story was disconnected at times or we just didn't quite, the stories didn't quite line up. So we always felt like it was a little, uh, we, we felt like we were always left hanging a little bit. But um, that game I, I did like, but I wasn't sure how this was going to pan out. Um, and the past games that I played, like um, Journeys Through Middle Earth, uh, was a game that we tried and had high expectations for because my husband and I are both huge Tolkien fans, and we were so disappointed with the quality of that storytelling in that game. So yeah. it was basically just combats and campaigns, and they were all like programmed. Like if you had to go through a campaign again, it just the exact same scenarios happened in the same places. So it was not very uh, so free world feeling. Was sleeping got something um, you enjoyed for the story or the mechanisms? Do you think both? That's yeah. what was really exciting about it. I feel that it really captured um, like the rhythm of a D and D session where you're presented with a quest mm-hmm. and then you, um, you know, you adventure through the map. There's a, a book that is a map and you can page to different places um, in the world and you explore and then you're presented with challenges. And if you meet the challenges, you get rewards. If you fail, you get some sort of punishment and then you move on to the, the next adventure. And so and the combat itself was really well done. The combat has this um, this mechanism where you have cards. Your enemies are in, in card form, and they have grids. And you have to um, check off the hearts or the damage in the grids to yeah. get rid of them. If if you check, if you get like a you get to get a certain amount of damage to put on them, and then uh, so if you cover up like the three health on the dam on the monster, then then that's considered a hit there. Uh, and you have to check those all off. So it's a little um, like a visual abstract puzzle. I know I'm not describing this very well. <laughs> Sorry, but um, and the thing about it is that you can't place damage diagonally. You always have to do it in either horizontal or vertical lines. Fine. So it's very stroke oriented. And um, when you attack an enemy, they're going to attack you back. And it really slows down. Like, I love that in D&D when you engage in combat, you're going to slow down and you're going to really, like, take your time deciding what each person's Mm going to do. And they really achieved that in a way that wasn't rules heavy and got you right back into the story after combat. It just was smooth and engaging and exciting without being complicated. So I think they did a really good job at that. And then there's so much story after our first campaign. Like, I, I feel like we didn't even really scratch the surface of the content. So we're excited I mean, to Story, do it again. I think, is something that's really hard to pull off in a board game. I mean, you, you've, you keep comparing it to Dungeons & Dragons. You've got, you know, um, your, your games master there who is going to react to what you're doing and make sure that all of your decisions have a, a meaningful impact on the story. In a board mm-hmm. game, it often seems more like, here's the story, and yes. that's going to govern what you're doing. It's, it's there, there isn't really an interaction between your decisions and the story. 
Right. And I think why, I'm not sure why it works, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but ultimately you have this big quest where you're stuck in this mysterious world and you're trying to get home. And the only way you can do that is by waking up the gods, by um, getting their totems, which Mm -hmm. they're just like little ancient um, like pieces, trinkets. So as you collect them, you can wake them up and eventually get back home. So that's your big story. But then as you're trying to find these different gods and totems to these different gods, um, you're getting to know the different cultures and races throughout this land. And there's all sorts of complications where some of them are, um, you know, trying to keep you from waking the gods because the gods, like, they don't want to be controlled. And there's different monsters that are trying to interfere with you. And there's people that need help because mm-hmm. the whole world is unbalanced because the gods aren't there. So there's all these, you receive quests throughout the story and you can follow them. And at some points, like, you do get kind of fatigued because you're like, I'm trying to, like, we want to get totems. And you end up kind of going on, all these different rabbit trails and most of them do take you back to that main story, but not always. So you can get kind of tired, like wandering throughout, but there's just so much content. And because it's presented in small pieces and you get a quest card that, that for every um, story line that you follow, you basically get a quest card to remind you what you did and what you chose to do and you get a keyword. So when you go to a new story, if you have the keyword from something else that you did, Mm -hmm. you're going to unlock a completely new thing. And it's going to take you closer to meeting the gods and getting those totems. So in that regards, it's, I don't know, it's just really fun. And then they also give you um, like adventure cards that will give you more health or give you better weapons or shields. So you're gathering these fun treasures and trinkets as you go. Uh, so I don't know. It's just a good balance of adventure yeah. and reward, but also pushing you pushing the big story forward, which mm-hmm. is a solid story. I really want to see what happens when we actually get to collect enough of the totems to wake up the gods. Like I'm, I don't know that that's enough to keep uh, me going. How so. many games have you played so far? So far, we played one session, and it was probably about um, four different plays, four to five plays. Okay. I kind of forget. We did it over the summer, over a period of months, and it was a good like four to six hours mm-hmm. um, per play. So it felt like the first couple times we played, it was hours. Like we were just totally immersed. Yeah. And we loved it. And my husband and I, like, we've been playing D&D forever. And like I said, we've tried lots of different adventure-style D&D-esque games. But this was the only one that we really just kind of lost track of time and just played it and really enjoyed it. And my husband's always the DM, so he loved it. He's like, this is actually, like, what it should feel like. (laughs) Len, I know you've got strong feelings about (laughs) role-playing games. Have you got any questions about Sleeping Gods or? Well, I think it's one of those games that I will someday have to actually try out. Um, I started gaming with, with role games, I think, quite a few years back, 1983 or something like that. So after maybe a thousand gaming sessions with uh, with different role games, um, 
if I would be able to find something similar from board game, yeah, it would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I, I can also see the like interest on, on creating board games that actually have some some story. It's it's something that I have been working now since ooh, 2016-15 when I started making the Soul Spire, which hopefully comes to crowdfunding next year. It's uh, our company's attempt to make something similar. It's maybe not as quick as you explained that the, the other game is, mm-hmm. but uh, it's going to to try to provide this sort of uh, very story-driven uh, thing where uh, your actions are actually providing clearly different kind of paths that uh, the story can, can end up uh, depending on how you play and how, what do you choose. Michael, have you played any of your Unlockouts games? I'm... Uh... I'm probably the only person in the industry who uh, uh, came into the industry without having played any any D and D game before, or any other role playing game before. And I could say I'm proud of it, but it's just by <laughs> chance. But on the other hand, on the other hand, uh, then people think like, "Oh, yeah, you have no experience with these kind of games." But on the other hand, of of course, I come from a different hobby, which is mm. very close to role playing game. It's miniature mm. gaming. Oh, so, no. uh, oops, uh, <laughs> oops. Uh, so, like uh, the the battle uh, scenes in Dungeon and Dragons always seemed too simple for me, and um, <laughs> the same is uh, for uh, board games. But as a board gamer, I'm uh, I have. Uh, not uh, played uh, many of these uh, kind of games actually because uh, uh, if it's my private life and I prefer like a good uh, solid uh, rock scissor paper <laughs> thing with uh, miniatures uh, you have painted for hours and then it takes you like one split second to kill it <laughs> so that's a very, a very, very good uh, investment so to speak it's even better when you play D&D so you invest it like in the miniatures and in the in the mm. story and the the uh, you said like the yeah the the narrative and uh, so that's even better. Hmm. But um, I enjoyed like some games actually. I, actually, I did do enjoy still the Lord of the Rings from uh, this big company from France uh, being active in the US. <laughs> and uh, but it's because maybe my sons they're uh, really attracted by uh, using a, a, a digital mm-hmm. device mm-hmm. for the campaigning. So it's like oh, there's a digital device. It's better than otherwise we could play like a, a, a video game so uh, that's what uh, brings them to the table so I use whatever I can <laughs> I personally played I think last year or, or recently so to speak kind of this what I really find really cute I maybe I'm too old for it but I really uh, enjoyed stuffed fables mm-hmm. <laughs> okay uh, I found it just so cute and uh, yes and it's like <laughs> you have to be a bit silly in my age to play that but if I, we had it because we have these connections and I found it cute and uh, me personally, because uh, who I work for Heidelberg Games, uh, for the German market, we are partnering with uh, two other companies which have quite successful uh, games. And one of them is uh, from Italy. And their most successful game or most prominent game the last year was, not uh, this year, is uh, The King's Dilemma. <laughs> and uh, uh, The King's Dilemma, I'm still playing in my group. And this is fulfilling our needs because it's not cooperative. <laughs> we don't want to be cooperative. <laughs> when we come together on a Friday night with my former colleagues from uh, Pegasus, I said, yeah, we don't want to do something together. We want to sit together. We want to have like something in the class together. But on the table, there has to come out the truth. <laughs> and battling 
as like in, in a Game of Thrones style suits us very much. So, and it actually leaves out the fighting because many of them are actually board gamers, though they're not very much into this, uh, uh scaling mm -hmm. up your uh, hero. And so that's just perfect. We, we, we can talk nonsense mm -hmm. and uh, battle us with words words but we enjoy a very good story i think it is but it's cutting out the the fighting completely um um so i i enjoyed this very much in terms of like story driven uh uh games um mm -hmm. recently so king's dilemma is that your your best new to me game of the last year or is it no uh, because for me it's i I I thought about yeah. it when we talked about it uh, before, like what we're going to present tonight. It's like it's like work for me. Yeah, it's <laughs> something I have to present it because it was nominated like as Kennerspiel des Jahres here in Germany um, from our jury mm -hmm. for this uh, famous award. Yeah, this is like work, and so eventually I play it, and eventually I actually love it myself. <laughs> While, for example, we are also partnering with uh, uh, Czech Games Edition for the German-speaking market. We do all mm -hmm. their games. And, of course, so we are part of the yeah. big success of uh, the Lost Ruins of Arnak this year. But this is also work for me. And I actually can say, not proudly, but honestly, this is not my kind of mm -hmm. game because you sit next to each other and everybody tries to optimize yeah. uh, uh, this game. yeah, In, And even people love it. I understand why they love it. Yeah. It's for me personally, if I have to choose the game for the night, it wouldn't be Lost Ruins of Arnak. And uh, I don't mean that badly because, uh, of course, I, I'm profiteur uh, of this game very much. And, and it, it's a great game. But, but for me, I want to play more like with people. Mm -hmm. I, I would rather like do than um, Sleeping Gods. Uh, it sounds fantastic to me, like for my kind of gaming, like you do something together mm -hmm. and not like doing like something next to each other. And of course, you can still talk. Yeah. But, not not for me. But I mentioned this game because it's about what game I have discovered. Mm -hmm. And I thought long and hard about it, like because and I could say like, oh, I discovered Place, our new card game from Heidelberg Games and do some, you know, <laughs> PR stuff coming out in the US early 2022. Yeah, it's based on the Russian card game Durak, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't want to yeah. do that. I have done that now anyway. <laughs> so like, no one will notice. Uh, he, just, he snuck it in so smoothly. But, but, but while we were playing Anak, and this is a good fun for me, because one of my colleagues, or actually the colleague who is our editor, he's called Roland. Mm -hmm. Roland, he sounds like a German hero, no? Roland. Yeah. And, and, and he said, like, yeah, I've done a game not similar to that, but I've done games myself. I, I, I was an author. And I said, yeah, you were an author. I know you did one card game with your brother or something. I said, no, I actually had this game. It's uh, called, um, and, and I looked it up, um, it's called Lost Valley. Right. Lost Valley. Yeah by Roland Gosler, and he's my colleague uh, these days. And um, so we took it out of the shelf because it was in our shelf hidden somewhere mm -hmm. like there. Oh, it's stuck there somehow. And it's like, yeah, but Roland, now show us like this game. And um, and so um, this was a kind of adventure game like with uh, triangle tiles. Right. And you have to connect them to each other and you actually create a landscape. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say like Arnak style or anything, but it's like about building the landscape while you are exploring it and you are like uh, competing yeah. with each other. You have to use a river to, to travel or you, you have to walk. And, and it's about uh, a gold, uh, how do you say gold digging? Yeah, like yeah. like uh, 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 you, you're, you're looking, you're searching for gold. It's, it's like gold rush a theme, yeah, but it's not so important, the theme. And uh, I would say, well, it's based around that. 
And and I really enjoyed that game. It was funny because he never presented it to me. And it's, it's old, I think. It's from 2004 or something. That's even yeah. older than I, I thought. Didn't... I thought it was about 10 years old. Yeah, yeah, it's it's even older. And I thought about it. He said, yeah, but then we have done a kind of like this crowdfunding thing with another company. So I, I never looked at the name, what is written down there. It was actually his name. And I think it was his, uh, I think his brother-in-law it is, uh, which is on there. Yeah. And, and they created it for themselves. And just recently said like, oh, maybe I should look into it uh, after I've played uh, Anarch. Yeah? Maybe these kind of games are still, uh, people are still interested. He said like, yeah, either you were very much too early and didn't work on it any longer mm -hmm. or you're lost anyway. It's Lost Valley. So my discovery, uh, what I discovered for myself, and I really enjoyed yeah. it, maybe because the author was sitting next to me <laughs> and because I, I, I played with my colleagues. And, and as he is the author, he, he decided on, on very important things like while we were playing. First thing is, this author, you do not sort uh, uh, tokens and items. He just threw them on the table and said, "Like this is wasting lifetime. When you need a token, you just get it and you look then for it." And we were not allowed to like put it in like little boxes. Like <laughs> when you have like your your, your stuff, what, what every board game usually does. He hates that. And because it's his game, he said, "Like it's my rules. We don't do that. We just throw them on the table in one big box." <laughs> and then you talk about, and it made us, of course, crazy yeah, because you don't do that. You can't play it like this. But actually, it did work. <laughs> Guess what? It did work, yeah. And and then while we were playing about like one two rounds, I think we haven't even finished the second round. We said we said like, oh, I have a good idea. We change the game. That's not good anymore. We changed the rules. So we played our first game of Lost Valley, and he he changed the rules constantly from every round to the next, and said like, this rule it's not good anymore. I like to have the rule uh, uh, <laughs> uh, um, um, uh, changed a bit, like, or I, I want to adopt it to this and this, yeah. And or I said, like, and what's the the the, the value if I I achieve? I the typical thing like you need wood and you need fish uh, to eat so you can sustain yourself. Yeah, and I said, like, how much fish do I get when when I when I go fishing? He said, like, usually it's two, but because you're a bad player, Michael, it's three. <laughs> and maybe you should adjust that. And it was like the, the whole experience of the game. So. Uh, we still want to play it again without him, actually, um, because <laughs> he keeps changing the rules. And for me, it was a good fun because um, he does it with our prototypes and even like with other games, too, mm. when we play them. It's like, this is not a good rule. And it was like, uh, but uh, Roland, this is like Catan. And the rules are out there for a very long time. No, we change the rules completely. We don't trade anymore. It's bad. It's something like this, like as, as an example. Yeah. It's, it's not true what I said, but it's like as an example. It just it likes to change basic rules sometimes. Like it's not worth it. That's the game how it is, Roland. Yeah. And when it was at such a good time, I think uh, it was quite uh, good fun because it had some mechanism in there with, which I didn't really know. Mm -hmm. So like that you like uh, put the tiles together, but you use like the the the, the, the the, the space in between when you connected the tiles this is like the way you can walk right. you had like points and stuff and then like thinking back of it I thought like okay I've seen that later on in, in, in a game or so but then I noticed that his game is actually way older yeah. And, oh. and 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 then <laughs> then we noticed like okay there's some some fun things of because he 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 loved the shape like this this triangle mm. shape of tiles and what you can do it is because it like it goes into like a like a, a square thingy like that you have four yeah. sides or you have three sides and it changes uh, the landscape constantly, so to speak, in a different way. And um, that was my 
um, to finish now, that was my uh, uh, discovery. Uh, this year, just for myself, an old game of a colleague I worked with for like about two and a half year now. And I never figured out that he was the author of a, a, a big Euro-style yeah. uh, exploration adventure. That's great. And it's, so it's a sort of tile placement and route building. Are they the main sort of things you're doing? It's uh, tile placement and um, uh, uh, looting, mm -hmm. so to speak, mm -hmm. or getting stuff out. You, you don't do. You, you you can create mines and stuff yeah. and and get something out there, but but you actually do that in the end to dig gold and uh, to get the most gold. Uh, basically, wins who gets back to the camp. But um, you probably could change the topic to space adventure or something too. <laughs> obviously, yeah, I mean, I remember hearing about Lost Valley when I was getting back into the hobby, but it's, I didn't realise it was an old game even then. Uh, has, has anybody played it, apart from Michael? I haven't. No. Yeah, there, there was a new edition in uh, 2014. That must be why I thought it was a bit newer then. That's sort of when I thought it came out. Uh, yeah. yeah, that, that, that and, I've and seen, I think, but not played. Yeah. And, and I think this has been like a, a crowdfunding thing in 2014. Right. Okay. And, but the original game is from 2004, and our predecessing company of Heidelberg Games is Heidelberger, mm -hmm. was, was the publisher and his uh, former, uh, uh, formerly owned own company, actually. So, yeah, anyway. That's really nice. Um, has anybody got anything they want to ask Michael about Lost Valley? I mean, I think you've done a really good job summing it up, but... Yeah, it, it reminds me, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, the only game I can think of that it reminds me of is Karuba, uh, and that's mm. more of a kid's game. Is it that simple, or would you say there's more depth to the Lost Valley? Uh, I know Karuba by chance, too. Because it's more of a kids game. Yeah. I used to play. I used to play with the kids before they went into. Uh, uh, a mobile device or die uh, or uh, play uh, uh, Lord of the Rings and um, even it's not the best game I think um, but I think there is more to this game actually okay yeah, yeah. there's a lot more uh, to this game because you can, uh, explore a lot more you you uh, you are actually quite free to uh, uh, do things like you, because there's no there's no um, there's no map in the beginning. Okay, so the, it's the, all the, just the, on the, the table. It's, it's empty. There's only your camp, and as you move to a corner of your tile, basically when you come to a corner, then new tiles are added. And if you move to the next corner, basically new tiles are added, mm. and that's how the map starts to spread out um, over the course of the game. So it, there's no map in the beginning, but um, um, yeah, that's basically a, a difference here already. And then you have to explore, but you have to be careful because you have to sustain yourself. Mm. And uh, the thing is, it's like, it's not cooperative, not at all. But if you wander too far away from each other, you cannot benefit from things which benefits all of us. Like if we bring a bit of civilization to, to the wilderness, yeah. So it, it helps us all, like little outposts, thingy-majiggies, yeah. And you just go there and it helps you. And we, we didn't know that. For example, he told us, like, go for exploration. So so we split up in, like, three, four 
uh, person we were playing at the time and we, we didn't benefit from it. They're like, this is bad playing, guys. You have to stick together. <laughs> but you said it's like competitive, so we don't want to hang around with each other. But he said, hey, but he's like, yeah, but you have to support each other. Like you can use the same boat, so to speak, or something mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. Uh -huh. But, but it's not the same boat, actually. That's maybe also not a very good description. But like, um, if it's discovered already, you can walk there as well. Or if they are, I don't know, uh, something you, 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 you can, you can use as well. Somebody else has already found. Yeah. And so it's uh, smarter to stick together. But of course, you want to have the the mine yeah. or you want to have for yourself you want to get the gold for yourself but you can walk along the same routes as the others and uh, while you can travel alone but this brings disadvantages that you have to do everything yourself and of course they're also like um baddies in the mm -hmm. game like real baddies and mm. they come into the game and they can rob it and then he told us later that uh, this is actually an, ex an expansion i'm not sure if it ever came out <laughs> so so uh, we 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 couldn't really tell what has come out <laughs> and what has not because it was his personal copy with all his stuff in there yeah? and as i said everything was mixed yeah. in there there was nothing was thought it is it's not he this guy, for example, he would be the death of all these extra guys who do all these wood chop thingy majiggies you put inside your box and you saw everything. <laughs> it's more eco-friendly. Yeah, and, 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 and when we are finished, he does like this. Or actually, by the way, also when, when we play Lost Ruins of Anna, he, he goes like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> he uses his hand and puts everything back in one box, and we're like, it "says you never be, you have never been obviously a supporter, demonstrator, because they will hate you yeah. the next day so <laughs> very much if they open this box here." But he doesn't because he plays it one or two times, and then he knows the game, and then he goes to another game because, like, he's our editor and he's uh, a creative uh, guy himself in terms of creating board games. <laughs> But it's so different for me too, especially like coming from the miniature background, as I said before, yeah. yeah? And then you're really like yeah. a, a tidy and, and, and you're like, ooh, you have to really be really careful. His gears like, watch, watch <laughs> back in the box. No, I'm, I'm the like, same, Michael. I was miniatures, not role playing. So thank <laughs> you very much. And, uh, and for example, uh, talking about Lost Roots of Alex, certainly, and he said, like, so you don't like the game, Roland? And he said, no, no, I love the game. It's great. It has great makes I just don't sort things. That's just <laughs> who I am. And I was like, so, so you can't really tell. But he does the same with like bad games. It's like, whoosh. And he's like, so you like the game? No, this scrap. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the two guys, uh, Tobias or Toby and Roland Goslar from Germany with Lost Valley, my discovery, uh, this year only. Thank you very much, Michael. That's the kind of sort of hidden gem we were hoping to get, I think. No, not to criticize Jonah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and you, you already did this a bit, Michael, but is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about you know, what you've been up to since you were last on or any upcoming projects? We were, uh, as everybody, I think we were struggling. We we're doing new project. We we're bringing out our, our card games, our shiny card mm. game. Uh, thing we call the Radiant Culture series. Our newest thing I said before, like is plays, and we did new version of uh, Coyote and uh, Anansi games, which went uh, out in the US uh, only this year. And we are uh, so we are we are struggling, uh, not struggling in, in terms business wise, but we're struggling like of, of getting everywhere with yeah. our games, basically making our own brand known, like other two guest people. 
working with Asmodee USA, we, who are doing a great job. But on the other hand, we're just like one of seven million studios yeah. there. So, but even they're really friendly. Uh, they don't get around. So I'm trying to do this work with them um, as well. So, so actually, I should know. Uh, um, I should have known Jonah from before, uh, <laughs> but I don't. Now you do. Because That's okay. Just, My channel's pretty small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, sustainability is also something which is uh, on our list, so to speak. But I don't want to go into detail uh, uh, now because that's not our topic uh, at the moment. Uh, but it's a very, very it important is a very topic important to, topic uh, for production and yeah, for the very happy future. to bring you was, together. Maybe I, we can have another conversation at some point next year about yeah. it. Yeah, because, that would be awesome. Because I, I really would like to know where this is going. Uh, because I had uh, even like in the company I worked before, we had this about a few years ago. I always had like all this plasticky stuff mm -hmm. and the packaging. We have to get rid of it, and and because I'm I'm personally and I'm, I'm I can say that out loud, I'm a supporter of the Green Party. I told my boss like we have to change things, and if we do it now, if we do it now, it's something like we the only one. It's the yeah. USP, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but they, but we we they started trying that but at the time it was really hard to find factories mm. like to work with that the factories are have to rethink their model and, and yeah. what can you and in the end it's also the bad bad customers talking about the the foil thing yeah because yeah? mm -hmm. the bad bad customers they hate it when when the coloring of the packaging of course is fading after a while yes and then that, and, that, and that is what the the foil is for so it's us too as consumers so it to is speak. yeah and so we all have to rethink it but i said like hey, we have to find a solution because it's so silly like and yeah. uh, as to the global pandemic situation maybe we have to rethink our our ways anyway where to produce and how to shape it and uh, uh, what's good in that way and, and still have like fun playing a game i don't i don't want to open up a game and have like a bad conscience about it because yeah. it comes from either yeah yeah exactly and um that uh and it's a, that has become a much more of a of a topic or, or it's actually it's a very present topic now before you just ignored it basically because you ignored with a lot of things so anyway I think that would be a good topic for another time. Yeah, sure well, maybe we you can come on my channel and we can talk about it too. <laughs> I'd love to go. talk about it here or on my channel. So <laughs> we can as do much as possible. either or both. We can do something. Yes, uh, it's, it's certainly an ongoing thing. It's, it's not yeah. just you know we talked about it once and it's done forever. Absolutely, yeah. Then you've been sitting there very patiently. <laughs> yeah. Wake up. Um, it's it's not one of it's not one of my you know best suits to be patient but sometimes if i really really hard uh, try hard i, I'll, I can manage. i'll give you credit where it's due <laughs> yeah. is there anything you'd like to you'd like to tell our listeners about what dragon dawn productions what you've been up to um what you're going to be up to things to look out for yeah why not uh well uh factory 42 our first foray into into heavy euro games um of of you know, placing your workers you know, on, a, on, a, on a board and uh, trying to predict what the others are doing has been actually quite positively um, um, received mm -hmm. and it's, it's almost sold out, so we will need to make a second edition. So what I have been doing is, is kind of like a mini expansion for it and then a German version. Okay. We're breaking so news. On next year. We're Sorry? breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is quite correct. Uh, early on next year, we will have a crowdfunding campaign that is intending to, to kind of um, make it possible to have in the second edition in both languages. 
maybe also in some other languages that are going to be disclosed at that time. Um, other than that, we have also a few a few new games coming. Um, Nicholas is working hard with the Perdition's Mount, uh, the card game, which is called Beyond the Rift. He, he spoke to us yes. back in January on, on this channel. Yes, yeah. it it went well as a Kickstarter, and it went even better with with Spielesmiede in Germany. So we will be having two different language versions of that game as well. And then, like I mentioned, there will be Soulspire, it's the advanced version of uh, of Perdition's Mount for advanced players. And it's the, the, the biggest project that we have ever had as a company uh, in terms of how much content, uh, but it, mostly in terms of how much um, story you need to write. Um, that's what I was what that's what I was doing just before we started this podcast, and very likely that's where I have to go after the podcast <laughs> as well. It takes awfully a lot of time. Um, Right now, I think um, we are estimating that it's about 120 pages of A4 in size of story. So it's a oh, wow. lot of text. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically kind of like a short overview of what oh. we have been doing and where, where we are going. Um, overall, last two years have been challenging uh, because of COVID, but I think uh, the outlook is... is um, better it's it's going into more meaningful direction mm -hmm. and uh, even though the third fourth or fifth uh, wave no matter w how do you count it it's it's a, a new wave of covid is clearly uh, coming but i don't think it's going to to, to hit the industry this time as badly mm -hmm. as it has been in the previous times and of course this hobby has been nicely at least trying to push people to do a vaccination, mm. which is positive. Yeah. And I hope that it will continue doing that. It's the only way how we can have proper gaming fairs and, um, you know, meet everyone and play together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Learn to live with it. Yeah. So what's your, your best new to me game of the year then? Well, I have something that I was not expecting early on this year that this would be the game. We have been playing Concordia, <laughs> the game that is not supposed to have aggressive moves and so on, but as our family, which is three players, is known to be, well, a little bit aggressive in our playstyle, we have found that Concordia can be the aggressive game of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Having played game games with your family, I know you do like a lot of take that in your games. Yes, yes, there is a little bit of that. We also, well, as you know that I have designed some games, um, some of those games might have some um, more complex rules, let's put it this way. Um, and uh, Concordia is quite the opposite. Mm. It, it has fairly straightforward rules, and yet we have found that it's actually quite interesting and does produce intensive um, and aggressive conflicts <laughs> at the same time. Um, so it, 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 it was very surprising. We, we started playing that um, when Father Christmas brought one copy uh, last Christmas. And um, I think um, around New Year, we opened the package mm -hmm. and tried, to, tried, it, tried it out 
a few times, and I think it has seen maybe 10 or 12 games, which is quite a lot, yeah. mm-hmm. considering that we typically get to play mostly like as, as a family. We live in such a sparsely populated place that the, the only other players would be the reindeers that are going <laughs> all around. And, and they just and have then, no strategic sense. It's the lack of opposable thumbs that are the real issue. Um. Yeah, well, we have been trying to train them to play, uh, you know, basic games like Carcassonne, but that doesn't really quite work yet. (laughs) Let's see. But that has been that has been the positive surprise. I have to point out uh, to 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 Michael that I actually um, just like a minute before this um, this podcast, I ordered King's Dilemma because it happened to be in. Black Friday um, discount, and it's it's one of those games that I would have liked to have as this year's <laughs> very big new thing, but it has been sold out, not available. Oh, ne- next year then. I can't play a German version, and I can't buy my game from USA because it's just silly. Yeah, I, you could have a German version. I have one here. I can send it to you, <laughs> but I'm not sure uh, how it. I, I'm not sure if the reindeers. Um, uh, how their German glass went recently, so you know you have this problem with your uh, with the animals again, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I think that the locals in here uh, have some sort of aversion uh, against Germans after they burned the whole country uh, this area uh, <laughs> some some eight years back. So I think they still remember. That, um, it's a like generational thing for the reindeers. They really rem- really remember that. I I, I I I hope you said eighty, not eight. <laughs> no, no, not eight years. No. <laughs> okay, but uh, um, I, I have to tell you, uh, we are quite popular for this in a lot of places, actually. <laughs> and if it's not that, then probably most places were ruled by England at some point. So, <laughs> this is uh, yeah, imperialism. The podcast. <laughs> See, mate, I don't know if you noticed when you were introducing Concordia, there was a, a lot of very appreciative gasps from everybody else. It's, it's, yes. Yeah, yes. this is a popular yeah. game. It's actually, you might not be able to see it, it's on my shelf behind me right now. Oh, yeah? <laughs> for for me, it's like our, uh, the predecessor in company, Heidelberger, used to run it in Germany for the PD Verlag, mm-hmm. which is the original yeah. uh, uh, publisher. And from Hamburg and Magertz, he always had, has his circle of decisions usually, uh, non Concordia. But, uh, and the uh, graphics or uh, one of the uh, graphic designers or the illustrators, mm-hmm. one is actually my colleague. He was the illustrator and uh, employees of Heidelberg these days. It's, if you look at it up, it's Marina Fahrenbach. And that's funny because she does uh, graphic design for the PD Verlag. So the, that's how, how small the world is. I just saw her yesterday. <laughs> and I just, I just looked it up on, on, uh, on Board Game Geek if this is true because I knew that she works for, or I know yeah. that she works for PD as a freelancer too. So I said, yeah, look, <laughs> so, Concordia. So personal connections aside, what do you like about Concordia, Michael? Uh, nothing. nothing. Because, oh, this is good. Uh, <laughs> uh, nothing at all, because uh, I think it's a nice-looking game, but it's one which uh, I have passed. Uh, it's, it's. I have nothing against it. I haven't played it. That's okay. All, basically. okay. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, that's not as exciting. And, uh, I thought we had controversy so it, then. 
actually, because Ren brought it up, it's become becomes more interesting for me to try it out mm. now because if somebody tells me who was uh, doing illustrations for it or my boss uh, tells me because the Heidelberger carried it uh, early on uh, in, in their business life, yeah. Yeah, it's something like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can tell you about like what I did this and then. Yeah, so it's like all a bit biased. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So um, it's like when I tell you something about, I don't know, Meeple Circus. Mm -hmm. I, I, I did Meeple Circus yeah. uh, for the other publisher before and I keep telling people how great, uh, how, <laughs> how much I like it because of this fiddling yeah. around with things. Yeah, But I'm, I'm very biased because I, I, I had to promote it at the time. Sure. <laughs> so, so Ren bringing it up it actually uh, uh, makes me feel that uh, next time I'm being asked by this group of people who I play uh, The King's Dilemma with, if they Concordia, I will probably not neglect it this time. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a big fan of games that uh, have a good um, a good complexity to depth ratio, as I call it. So, if you look on board game Git, you often see this thing called heaviness, which I think sort of encompasses complexity, rules complexity, fiddliness, and mm -hmm. depth. And I don't think they should be conflated. I think Concordia is a good example of a game with very streamlined, simple rules, but there's a lot of depth in there, a lot of things to think about. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I'm one of the gaspers. I, I've loved Concordia for a while because it's, uh, it's a nice game. It's a game where nice things happen to you on other people's turns. You can get <laughs> resources when someone, you know, decides to take, I forget what mm -hmm. the action's called, but, um, it, and it, it's very nice in that way. Uh, and I've, I've played it with my husband quite a few times, two players, so it lends very well. It scales down nicely, but the more people you add, it definitely becomes cutthroat. And it, it's like, it starts out very nice, but by the end, you know, some people are just getting cut off from yeah. their goals and it doesn't matter like how long you've been friends, you know, all bets are off. <laughs> uh, so it definitely in that regard can be extremely fun and, like you said, have lots of depth. So I, I it, think what you just, just said is an important really point good. as well, though. I mean, you're engaged on other people's turns. There's basically no downtime in the game. You're never sat there waiting for it to come back around to you. You're eager to see what the other people do. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, I'm clearly going to have to try it sometime. It's one of those that you know there are just so many games. It's not one of the sort that I know I'm going to like, so I'm tending to pass mm -hmm. them by unless somebody says, yeah, you should try this. Uh, I guess I should. Well, yeah. Next time you're over, Roger. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. For Concordia, I actually even bought um, an expansion uh, at Essence Wheel this year because we felt that the base game um, had seen enough and now we have a fish market which actually brings a whole level, a new layer of, mm -hmm. of thinking in, in, in the process and even yeah. more aggression. It, it is a game <laughs> it is a game with a lot of expansions. Um and, yeah. and I bought one of them at Essen as well, which was the Concordia Solitaria, the solo deck that they brought out for it. So oh, player cool. counters How is now. that? I haven't tried it yet, appallingly. Oh. It's been sat on my shelf for a month. <laughs> um, the thing about Concordia is like we, we've had it's one of the first board games that we purchased, yeah. and we rarely played it. We always get, I don't know, people are more attracted to other games because mm -hmm. it seems so old school. Mm -hmm. uh, but really, it is one of the best games that we own. It's just, uh, you know, it's not as 
eye-catching, I guess, for some reason. It yeah, I mean, I've that... heard a lot of people criticize the box cover, saying how boring it looks. And I mean, yeah, it, it's nothing... Uh, it doesn't say a lot about, like, how you feel when you play it. Mm-hmm. it it's... But it's not ugly or anything. No, I think people are a little too harsh about it. Uh, at, but, at least it's not a stern yeah. European dude. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> underrated, I feel, for how good it is. I mean, that's a big claim, I think, because I think it's very highly rated. I, I, I just noted why I never played it. 2014, I worked for another company. <laughs> and I won. I won with the other company. I won with Istanbul. Ah, I, yeah. I, I won all the prizes with Istanbul this year. And so Concordia was with uh, our uh, competitor, Heidelberger. Oh. And it was my competitor at the time. <laughs> and I just looked it up. And I, cause I just remembered like this thing, like something like nominated for and said like, uh, my, my mind popped up like losers. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I said, I, 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 I have to change my mindset. It's like no great game now. Istanbul is overrated, of course. Well, and, uh, Istanbul gives me trauma, <laughs> Michael. So, I mean, but, I, I, but, I first I met just... Michael demonstrating for Pegasus Speed at UKGE. And there for two go. years running, all I did was run demos of Istanbul. <laughs> 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 the first, uh, I remember the second year I turned I'm up, sorry. I said, I'm not playing this game. And somebody said, you know how to do this. Can you just show them? I said, yeah, sure. And then I couldn't get off the table for the next three days. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that when you have it. a successful game. Yeah. <laughs> And it's actually your one successful game at the time. <laughs> like, like your one successful game, you are the publisher of, you have to say, you know. Yeah. Like, and not like you're like the co-publisher, like, uh, like Heidelberger was with, uh, with the uh, Concordia as its DP, uh, PD fellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something like it's like really from your own publishing house. And Istanbul was at the time. Yeah. So they're both great games. So I, I just thought, I just thought there was something with Concordia why I never, got my hands on it at the time and then uh, of course as you say there's so many great games out there and if nobody points you to it again afterwards like so to say after like one or two years because you didn't have time to play this too yeah you're just like yeah it's just like slips your mind and you're like hmm. but now i really feel uh feel uh feel uh i i could do it again yeah i, th- I think <laughs> you should hunt it down i think we should all look out for a copy of lost valley of the dinosaurs in the next also lost valley of the dinosaurs the, the lost valley the Lost Valley of the Dinosaurs is a different like, game. Oh, a dinosaur game? It's a oh, different, just, that just is also a game, but it's a different game. Just, just ask Roland if, if he thinks dinosaurs would be a good idea and there'll be an expansion, yeah. <laughs> Lost Valley of the Dinosaurs is the same designer as um, Survive City of Atlantis. I think that's what it's called. Escape from Atlantis. Yeah, Escape yeah, from yeah. Atlantis, that's right. Yeah, Which came out in I, the UK I, back in the 80s, but nowhere else. Uh, but but I like the dinosaur idea. It's about it's good for with children. You know, there's a dinosaur age win for children. Yeah. They have a oh, certain yeah. age. I think it's between <laughs> three and six or something. Well, well, three <laughs> and sixty. I don't know. Anything with dinosaurs is good. Yeah, and, and of course, it, it is now official that every bird podcast is also a dinosaur podcast. Yes, so. this is true. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, as as a zoo archaeologist, I've written many papers which have to refer to non-avian dinosaurs. <laughs> Roger, do you want to do you want to do your game of game of the year if you've got it to hand? Yeah, it's been. I, I was looking through this because I, I, I'm quite a technical sort of chap, so, I, so I, I asked BGG to tell me every game that I've logged a play of this year that I haven't previously logged a play of, and there were about 60 of them, which is frankly a whole lot more than I'd expected. That's kind of terrifying. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously a lot of these were on Board Game Arena because it's you know, mm. some some game that they just put on. But even leaving that out, um, it's quite a tough choice. I... Okay, let's just be awkward here. This is a game that I believe is not actually published yet. Um, Organism. Uh, Ryan Spangler. So, so we're talking right now to two different board game publishers and you're the one that comes up with a game that's not published yet. <laughs> uh, he's been doing a sort of uh, semi-public beta test um, or, or, or a um, web implementation. And uh, they're talking about crowdfunding sometime, but as far as I know, there's no actual um, fixed date. Um, the basic idea is you, you, you are a small multicellular organism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start with, uh, I think it's... Eaters, growers, and movers. Uh, right. so you, uh, you, and you have one of each. And you know, if, once you've got enough food, you can grow a new component and you can add it to where you are. Uh, but rather than move the whole entity, you're moving just one of your components from one place mm-hmm. to another uh, across the board and trying to get in a position where you know, either eat, eat the um, initial food supply or attack your enemy and eat them. Right. And the, it, it's clearly going to be really difficult to have working iconography for this as a physical thing, because um, you need to be able to say, the, these are my colour pieces, but also these are my diff- three different sorts of pieces, and also here is how much food is in each of those individual pieces, because that determines what they can actually do. So that's that's going to be hard work, though I look forward to it. Um but basically, it, it is a no-luck strategic game. Right. Um, everybody starts off pretty much equally. There, there's obviously some first-player advantage, but there is a compensation for that in terms of how, how much initial resources you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is thoroughly competitive uh, without... At least for me, uh, I couldn't say, well, you know, I do this in chess, I do this in on a timer, I do this in such and such other game, and I can use the same strategy here. It, it is different enough that I'm, I think pretty much everybody is inventing strategies from scratch. Right. And trying them out. And, and is this words. more of an abstract game, given the ones you just mentioned? In effect, yes. I mean, the, the theme is the organism, uh, but, but you're know, moving your pieces across a hex grid, mm-hmm. which, mm. I mean, you could call a petri dish if you want to, but <laughs> you don't have to. Um, and so, certainly it's, it's not saying, you know, this is an actual microbe or whatever. Mm. Uh, so, likely thematic abstract. Um, it's not quite the standard thing that we see of, you know, you, you could call it a, a war in space and, and basically have the same game. There is at least some idea of, yeah, you are trying to keep the organism together. Um, at some point, if, if you have enough piece, pieces, you can deliberately split and then... Uh, that that gives you an advantage, mm. but it, but if you leave a piece isolated uh, and it's not big enough to be independently viable, that, then that will just um, uh, die. That yeah. sort of thing. So so there's a bit of the um, biology theme in there, rather than make, making it a purely abstract with a nominal theme. And it's just hitting a kind of a sweet spot for me. Uh, I've had a couple of games which I'm not not doing terribly well and. But you know, I've, I've one of the things I look for in a game because I, I don't win a lot of the time is mm-hmm. do I still enjoy it when I'm losing? And the answer is yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm still. I'm not. I'm not just saying, oh well, I've, I've run out of things to try. I'll just have to do the same thing. No, I'm, I'm still yeah. coming up with new ideas, and maybe one of them will work. 
So, uh, yeah, Organism, it does have an uh, entry on BGG, but um, there's no realistic projection of a publication date at this so, point, probably next year sometime. So where, where have you been playing it? Uh, I... D- I don't know. Well, I I know where I've been playing it. What I don't know is whether that is the thing I'm allowed to uh, say in. Right, okay. Uh, okay. There there is a site. uh, Let's just see. Yeah, it's not, for example, on uh, BGG web links Mm -hmm. for the game. So I I don't know whether I'm allowed to say yet, but I will check and I will put it in the show notes if if it is a thing that can be talked about officially yet. Yeah, that, that would be nice if people could play the game and <laughs> actually know it's a real, get, real game and not something you just made up. <laughs> so that that's by uh, Ryan Spangler, who also designed uh, Soul Last Days of a Star, which I haven't played. No. Oh, that's interesting. Go on. Um, Soul's a game I played at a, uh, a con, and we haven't been able to find a copy of it since, and that's yeah, that was a really striking game. Certainly, one of the things people are talking about for the crowdfunding is a soul reprint as well. They just seem to have got generally out of stock. Very cool. That's very exciting. There we go. Well, well, it does have an entry on Board Game Geek, so uh, it must be real. (laughs) It's like when my kids said uh, to me, or everybody knows it, like, uh, the the previously I saw it on television is like I saw it in the internet or today it's I saw it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no YouTube, there's no YouTube video about it. I think so. It's not real. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Me, meanwhile, Flab Rouge Grand Tour has had a board game geek entry for several years, and maybe it'll happen one day. <laughs> not that I'm bitter or anything. But it looks interesting. I also checked the board game, board game Geek entry just a moment ago, and it, it looks I, yeah, interesting. I think you and Michael were both, both immediately looking yeah. up that game while Roger was talking about yeah. it. <laughs> Obviously, the visitors of the Board Game Geek entry went up 300%. <laughs> or at least 300 I would say. Tona, me and Red all like at the same time, like, click, click, click. <laughs> now we know. Now we know the algorithm. If it's tomorrow in the hotness. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd, exactly. I'd love to think that our podcast with our one listener had that kind of impact. <laughs> we, we all should put it on our wish list like with the highest number now. Just, yes. Uh, just to see if this works. Like, because one can really say we're from three different regions, countries as well. So uh, that would be good fun. Yeah. <laughs> But it looks cool, by the way. So, because uh, I can't follow your uh, rules explanation, <laughs> not completely, to be honest. But it uh, looks striking at the moment. The uh, prototype. Hmm. Good. Okay, I'm going to suggest we we leave that there for now. Nicholas, yeah, w- welcome back to the show. It's been almost a year since you were on. I, I don't believe you, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> fine. <laughs> what, what's happened? What since then? What do you want to tell us about? Well, I, as I mentioned uh, when I was on the show last time, well, I hope I mentioned it. It was a long time ago. Um, I've been working on my own game, uh, Beyond the Rift. We had yeah, a we Kickstarter about it then. Yeah, we had the Kickstarter. We also had a Spielerschmiede. 
for the German version, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was funded, I think, uh, pretty successfully so, and uh, now I'm working on that. We go into print in spring, early summer of next year, and then we're hoping that it's out for Essen Excellent. of next year. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, I mean, that's, uh, if, if anybody missed the campaign, it's available now on a late pledge, I suppose? I, th- I think uh, we have a game found up, yeah, 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 yeah. so you can late pledge it, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think the reviews or the reviews, the previews of it were generally positive. Yeah, I think so. Maybe just just out of curiosity, yeah. um, getting the chance to really be in the same room again with a with a developer. So, what is your after aftermath after the Kickstarter campaign? So, how much production do you do right now, or what what kind of things are you doing? You mean for Beyond the Rift, my yes, game, or yes, yeah, yes, yes. yes. Um, well, so, so we unlocked uh, two new heroes, so uh, those were half-designed mm-hmm. at the time where we announced them, but I had not finished them, so I did that, and then uh, there are the game ships with six campaigns, so just like a quick recap, it's a, it's a cooperative a, a fantasy card game, um, which is asymmetrical, so each hero has its own deck and its own abilities and so on, and then... It it works through uh, it plays through six campaigns and each campaign is is uh, is constituted of like three to four very short scenarios. So it's a, it's a campaign in the sense that you can play it often in one evening or maybe like four or five hours. Mm. And so there are six of those, and each campaign is connected to one hero, telling that hero's story and has its own setting and also sort of a little bit of its own uh, theme mechanics and uh, thematic enemies and so on. So that's what I've been working on. Then there are, of course, like other people who work on the more the production or graphic design oh. side uh, that sort of try to finalize that stuff. So neat. Yeah. With your with your workload more or less over now, would you say, Nicholas? Uh, I wish <laughs> <laughs> it is not. <laughs> I have I have well, I wouldn't say I have a lot still to do, but uh, I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm one of those who always want to tinker with things until the very last moment. So. Yeah. I am I am still in the trenches, so to speak. So, to be honest, who or what does have a game in their back pocket right now? It may be too far away. So, including myself, I'm working on a game for the last two years. I keep mm-hmm. changing paces or <laughs> themes and every now and then. Yeah. Um, so, who else? I know, I mean, we, Lee... We should let our listeners know that this is Marcus George joining us here from j the voice you can hear now. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> we should go through the proper introductions. Yeah, so Marcus from j exactly. So, that, but I'm really curious how every one of us is really working, or is everyone who is more into the hobby really working on a game or not? That, that is not. the cliche, I think, isn't it? That everybody's <laughs> publishing a game. Or designing again? A designing, um. I, I have some ideas, but I wouldn't call it as far as a design, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Same here. Some ideas, some loose ideas. I mean, for you, Lee, that's obvious, I guess. Yeah, yeah, still uh, several different ideas at different stages. None of them are imminent at the moment. Okay. Hey, this is Albert. Um, and I, I've got ideas I've written down. But I'm never going to design a game myself, so I'm waiting for somebody else to make them. <laughs> I, I should probably share them with people. Actually, I think I heard this. I think it was James Hewitt, uh, who was at Games Workshop and has done the Hellboy game and other mm-hmm. things. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty prolific designer. I think he said that it happens to him fairly often 
that people reach out to him and they say, I have this idea. Could uh, you design the game? And then we are sort of like co-designers. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he, he, he did not just laugh, but I think that was sort of his, his reaction, you know, LOL, uh, because yeah. uh, <laughs> ideas are like actually not that valuable because the execution is what is uh, sort of makes mm-hmm. or breaks a game. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the, the he, he always politely rejected. <laughs> Yeah, let me but, just ping Stefan Feld or Reinhard Nietzsche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nicholas, why, why don't you tell us your your new to me game of the year? Yeah, so I struggle with this one quite a bit. I uh, I wanted to put Ankh, uh, Gods of Egypt. Um, I I think it is a uh, a groundbreaking and genre defining area control game. But I have only played it once, and so I <laughs> I feel like that statement might be a little bit too early. Um, so that that one is sort of, I guess, my uh, my runner up. Yeah. But what I did pick, what I actually have played uh, quite a bit, and uh, what I think would maybe also fit the the host of the show a little bit better, since you know you're pretty focused on solo games, or at least play a lot. Certainly, uh, I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, maybe I was thinking more about you than Lee, but as uh, <laughs> <laughs> Imperial Settlers, uh, right. Empires of the North. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I played also twice today. I even, mm-hmm. I made a post on the Twitter, tagged Lee, very subtle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, um, so that, for those who don't know, is from, uh, from Portal Games. Um, and it is a, I believe it's like the third iteration of mm. a sort of similar system. That uh, Ignacy Cevicek has done. He had a co-designer on this one. Her name escapes me right now. I apologize. Um, and um, it is sort of a, I would almost call it a modern iteration on that system. So there was first the 51st state, mm. which yeah. and 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 the game is a a card and resource management game. So hand and resource management. So, so you will it's a tableau in, builder primarily, isn't it? And tableau builder. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so in 51st States, you know, you have uh, asymmetric factions and you draw from the same deck and then you use those cards in different way. Every card has multi- mm-hmm. multiple functions. And so you build your tableau and each faction has like uh, like a certain leaning towards certain things. But I think generally in that game, you would play the cards that you got and then maybe yeah. like the faction might push you in a certain direction. You know, Lee maybe has a... A little bit better of like exchange rate if he wants to sort of like turn iron into weapons or something, and I have a better you know conversion rate of other resources. Yeah. Um, so that's a game I've liked a lot. I, I also have the master set and I played that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, I think there came the Imperial Settlers, yeah, uh, which I think I like least of the series, and that is the one I would now compare. I think to this one because mm-hmm. Imperial Settlers also um, had a sort of a faction deck. So if you play the Romans, you would have the Roman deck, but there would also be a communal deck that you can draw from. And also each faction had, again, something a little bit special. So like the Romans maybe could, I think they could like store swords as others couldn't. So Mm. so you have, there are certain like things that maybe like show you a little bit what, what you could be doing and what your inclination is. Um, but, uh, it was a little bit more, like I didn't feel like the factions ever like really played that strongly in a very specific sense, unless you really went deep into it and you started doing things like deck building, which you could do when the expansions came out. Um, and it could also be a little bit difficult, I found at least, mm. to know what decks you were supposed to be drawing cards from because you didn't necessarily know what was in the communal deck and that those mm-hmm. maybe didn't synergize and 
often when I played, I found that I, I wasn't really doing like the Roman thing or the Egyptian thing. I was just sort of cobbling together some sort of an engine yeah. uh, to get some points. Um, and that was often my experience with the game, which I still thought, I mean, it plays very well. Like you, you have the hand management, you can do different things with the cards and so on. That, that was fun, but it was a little bit somewhat unsatisfying to me. And I feel like this is what Empires of North does really, really well because it now took, a, it has taken away the communal deck completely. So there's no common deck. Everyone has their own deck and that deck does a very specific thing. Right. So if you're the person who does the, whatever, the, the, the trading, then, then you're the person who do the trading. Or if you're the one who's like sends off ship and does raiding, then that's your thing. And all your cards sort of work in that specific way. And so there are like stronger heuristics, I think, in, in the design to just to sort of show you from what your faction does and what the card does, what you're also supposed to be doing to actually sort of like score well. And it cut away with all like the deck building that you could do in Imperial Settlers and all of that and just made it sort right. of a, what I think is a more modern board game experience. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think most board gamers like deck construction. You know, maybe hot take, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's sort of a little bit, uh, I, I don't know about outdated, but I, I think that's a different scene nowadays. Cause if you also look at the, yeah. the LCGs, like you also see like Lord of the Rings was all about the deck construction. And then came Arkham Horror, and then it was like, well, there's deck construction, but actually there's also like a little bit of leveling thing. So you like go through the scenarios, and then you get your upgrade your deck through that. And now there's like Marvel Champions, where from what I hear, a lot of people are just like, yeah, the pre-constructed decks are, are fantastic. I just buy them like they are, I sleeve them up, and I play them like that, and I don't change them. It's an and, interesting point. I think maybe there is a sort yeah. of a, a, a different... A different scene to use your word, you know, the people that still play magic or yeah, you know, yeah. Pokemon or whatever it is. Well, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I think some of that is some, when, when magic came out, there would be a lot of times when you couldn't be talking about magic because you probably didn't have the internet. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, that, a, a so... lot of games of that era and earlier have a thing you can do, you know, role playing games with a vehicle design system, a thing you yeah. can do when you're not playing the game, you're on your own, you're preparing for the game. Yeah. And, mm. and that's just really vanished from RPGs and I think board games to a very large extent now. And certainly the LCGs recently mm. from Fantasy Flight have all, you know, increasingly done away with deck construction. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's what really appeals to me. Like I, I actually play magic, so I don't hate deck construction. Mm. I play Marvel Champions and I do always rebuild the decks. I, I hate the pre-built ones. I think they're garbage. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, I, I really like this as a board game design because I can also just give some of the deck and be like, yeah, like this faction is all about like getting up production buildings and making copies of them and just like getting resources or something. Yeah. And, and like with, with that one sentence, I can sort of get them into the game. You know, I, I don't have to like explain the complex synergies or tell them, you know, well, this is all about like whatever value plays or whatever other like, uh, obtuse, uh, sort of terminology you might have when you play something or a CCG style uh, game, right? So I think yeah. in that sense, this one is, is very nice. It's, it's very accessible. Um, it, you know, every, every faction has this very distinct style of play. It has a mm-hmm. great solo mode, which has like scenarios that sort of puts a little twist on the, on the base concept and you can replay it with the different factions. It plays very differently. So, but it's not just to beat your own kind of game, beat your own score kind of game. Well, so officially no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in my, in my experience, the scores that you're supposed to beat, 
to so there is like so this is this this is a threshold that says like okay yeah mm-hmm. this is like the winter is coming and you should okay. like reach forty points and if you yeah, do yeah. you've won right mm. uh, I have I have never not reached that point that score uh, and I've often been quite a lot above it maybe I got like a little bit lucky with the like picking like randomly faction that worked for that scenario every mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. but I think that score is fair set like fairly low. So for me personally, I view it as a high score style game. Mm. Um, so there is no real AI to mm. that, basically. There, there, there is no AI. There is no AI. And narrative yes. and exactly. pretty much a threshold. In mean, the, the, um, the middle of the three, um, just straight Imperial Settlers. Yeah. That one had a, a campaign that was introduced as a, I think, a print and play. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that, yeah. So, so that was I mean so I, I have played it. I haven't played um Empires of the North. But Imperial Settlers I think it was, I think I got it as a a secret Santa gift on Board Game Geek um in twenty sixteen or seventeen. And I got really into it and I bought what bought one of the expansions I played it over and over again for sort of two, three months and people in the one player guild kept saying to me, Oh, you've got to play it with the campaign, that makes it a good solo game. And I did, and it completely turned me off the game, and I traded it away and never played it again. Oh wow! But what? So what was with the campaign? That for me, what it all it added was unnecessary overhead between games. So at the end of the game, you would see what score you had, and that would give you an effect that would carry over into the next game. So you ended up with a, a sheet of paper where you were ticking things off and crossing things off, mm-hmm. and it it wasn't adding anything to me except to say unnecessary. Burden overhead set up between games and mm. yeah, it, 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 I could have just gone back to playing the straight game, but the whole thing had just soured me on it at that point. So I traded it away, and that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, I mean you might like this one because the the scenarios are like uh, independently playable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I haven't seen any. I mean, maybe there are some fan variants or like I know there's been also some digital content yeah. um, come out for it, but like the four scenarios in the base game. Or just standalone ones, and uh, they all play very differently. And I mean, I think those you can just like replay and beat your score. Mm. I think if you want like this, you know, binary win or loss, that maybe you'll be a bit disappointed with this one. But I think if you if you don't mind just beating your scores or just don't care that much about the score, just enjoy like playing the different decks and and trying them out in different challenges. I I think this one I'm, I'm quite happy well with for you. your own score game. I mean, I remember yeah. Imperial Settlers as being sort of uh, quite quite you know, it was a very medium light. Tableau Builder with a little bit yeah. of worker placements in it. Yeah, I mean, this is very similar. I think, uh, so I, I never played Imperial Settlers solo, so I, I obviously mm-hmm. can't speak to that directly, but I remember playing it multiplayer that I thought, mm-hmm. thought a lot of the cards seemed unbalanced unless you would play with more players, because in, in that game you could attack buildings, right? And there were yeah. sometimes certain point engines that seemed very pushed compared to others, um, mm-hmm. you know, from my experience. And I presume that the balancing here came through the fact that people would interact. Like we would play, you know, whatever the five of us and Albert would see, like, I mean, what is he doing there? Like, we can't let him get away with that. And he would spend his one sword to, to destroy that building. And then that will sort of balance things out. Yeah. So, and here mm-hmm. in, in Empires of the North, you can just exhaust other people's buildings. So you can just tap it so that it's inactive for one turn. Mm-hmm. And so they really tone down that interaction, which I, 
I think also works better in the game because it also has a little bit of this cutesy art and stuff and then you play Imperial Settlers and then it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to destroy all your buildings. And <laughs> uh, I think there's a bit of a disconnect here and here like the art is cuter, the interaction is much so- softer and nicer and I and I think that probably makes it for a better solo experience as well if I had to speculate. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the cute art has turned me off from the game, mm-hmm. honestly. I, I like the original 51st State art <laughs> yes, the most and yeah, then and, then Imperial Settlers came out so that's a little too cute but I can mm-hmm. deal with it. And this one came out. Uh, I, I, can't <laughs> <laughs> I I can understand because they really pulled it up. You know, so everything's like super sweet. Because like Imperial said, I think it, I mean it looks like a bit cutesy, but there's still like serious nations, like the Egyptians fighting the Romans mm-hmm. and stuff. And here it's just all like silly, like the Vikings sail on like broken ships because they're so drunk from a party, or like oh. they're they're skating <laughs> on like a block of ice with dolphins pulling it and stuff. So yeah <laughs> but i think this stuff is ultimately selling much better than the more serious stuff i think that's yeah. overall a trend yeah. i can see that all the artwork is getting more comicsy um yeah again not big fan of that myself if mm. it's getting too cute mm-hmm. too nice but yeah i get it i think it's selling much better yeah i think you're right yep okay marcus what are you a fan of what was your new to me game of the year? <laughs> um, I'm in the same boat in respect to new games. So I have two games which I really like from from this mm-hmm. year. Um, but I, I I think I haven't played it enough. That's for me Imperial Steam by Alexander Humer, who also designed okay. um, Lignum. I'm mm-hmm. really big yeah. fan of Lignum myself. Um, but again, I would not say I'm already too much into say that's really a great, amazing game. It has a lot of interesting things to it, so I really do like the overall uh, mechanic around those those shareholders, which will then basically deduct 10% of your final score at the end of the mm-hmm. game for every investor you have. It has train building. I really discovered train games for me over the last, I would say, well, yeah, 6 to 12 months or so. Mm-hmm. So it also filled that niche for me. Um, but again, haven't really played it enough. And also one of the big surprises for me from this year is the new Seven Wonders. It's really the family version of the game, but I have played it so many times like no other game this year actually because it's simply so quick to explain. But I think then the ultimate game for me, and this might come as a surprise to some of you, I played Press for the first time, not too long ago. Okay. And it was the old, um, not really great looking version. Can I I just raise an unpopular opinion? I know I prefer, you don't I, like Martin Wallace, I believe. No, no, I, I prefer the art on the original version as well. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's yeah. the version I played, actually. I liked it a lot. Yeah, no good point. I, I also... I'm really... The, the poker chips that they introduced with the new press Birmingham and Lancashire, um, I think these are definitely nice. And actually, I got myself a pack of those poker chips. <laughs> but in respect to the cards on the, on the locations, and it's much more functional... Um, it's much easier to read. Yeah, the board easier on the to read one. the board state. I would mm. totally agree to that. And again, I, myself being a fan of Martin Wallace, at least most of the stuff, I really was then surprised that I didn't really give it a chance before. Maybe again, I'm usually someone who's trying to avoid the hype, and when the new brass came out, everyone was hyped. So for whatever mm. reason, it didn't really so look into that. Is this Brass Birmingham you played or Brass Lancashire? Well, you said it was the original one, so it's Brass It's the original. There was, yeah. I believe, only this one version as far as yeah. I know. So I think it's the Birmingham then, right? Uh, La- La- Lancashire. The other word? It's the other Lancashire. word. Yeah. yeah, okay. I think the Birmingham is the one with the beer, right? That's right. Which they <laughs> added now. Um, that's the only thing I know. But yeah, yeah, games no, can always be made better with beer. 
Yeah. <laughs> of course, I will totally went down with this first game. I played it with very, very seasoned players who were at least mm -hmm. kind enough to give me some room to breathe. But ultimately, I don't know. I was 30 points behind or so. But was really <laughs> no, I was really blown away by this. I like this whole. I mean, it's a Martin Wallace game. You have to yeah. have debts in some some shape or <laughs> form. Um, but this was a very nice thing, as it wasn't too punishing, right? Um, mm. Getting a loan or that in this case, it's something you're getting out of this. And I really do like... Because the one thing that always um, kept me away, because I thought it was too strategic, too, too, too less random elements, but then when I played it and you see, okay, oh, you're really dependent on the cards you get, on what mm -hmm. the players are doing in respect to their... Decisions. I said, oh no, it's not that strategic after all. Yes, you have to follow some lines, but ultimately you have to make some serious decisions um, in between to change course. And mm -hmm. that's what really, yeah, I really liked it a lot, actually. And I think playing it now would give me at least two, three more points. I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was basically my go-to game of, of this year. Again, many others. I played good games, um, yeah. but I think this is the one that sticked. And then I'm really curious how Imperial Steam is evolving. The thing is, you really have to play it with, let's say, players who know that, because it mm. really has a very steep learning curve. It's a very complex game. Um, so I think if Vital would ever do a game, um, a train game, it would be something like this. <laughs> I've heard people say that before. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, but that's how it feels to me. Um, that's why I have to see if I really get, let's say, a somewhat stable group together to mm. play it, I think, every now and then. Because only then, I guess, you will be able to also use the random setup options. There's a lot of stuff that you can do in respect to the setup already. Um, but the game doesn't really recommend yeah. it for your first time. And if you always play a first time, you will not get to the intricacies of these things. So that's Yeah, I've had that with some of the see. games. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, I think Imperial Steam and Brass are both very well regarded games for a reason. I don't, I don't, have, have any of the rest of our guests played <laughs> played Brass? Mm -mm. I have not. I've always wanted to. I think for the, a, a one-player focused <laughs> player, it can be difficult. I think, like, like you, Brass, I've, I've only ever played on the app for probably the same reason you have, Albert, just trying to find other people to play it with that's got, that, that have their own copy because I'm not buying a copy just to try and find mm. somebody to play it with. Okay, yeah. No, I'm I, curious I, if I, there I, is a solo uh, variant out there for brass. <laughs> just checking it out. I, I think somebody has created, on Board Game Geek, somebody has created an Automa for brass Birmingham. I, I don't imagine. know if it's adaptable for the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, but what, what else have you been up to, Marcus, since you were last on? I think it's the end of the summer that you... Yeah, I think us. we had this session on um, games under the radar. and for whatever That's, that's reason, right, we yeah, talking obscure about games Stefan where you Feld wanted to talk about Feld and Knizia, yeah. Yeah, it was really <laughs> um, But, yeah, no, I think it's it's still the same thing here, right? I mean, yeah, luckily we were able to get back to some of our board game meetups now. Um, it's still a regular thing. As the situation here in Germany is still mm -hmm. getting pretty dire, I'm not sure how long they will let us actually come yeah. together and play games. Um, even though everyone is now vaccinated in my direct vicinity. Mm -hmm. But it's good really getting back to games which require more than two or three players, actually. That's what mm -hmm. I'm focusing on. So now I'm really getting a little bit tired of board games that are coming out that are designed for one or two players because I say, I played these games now for the last two years. I want something with more players now. Yeah. 
No yeah, other apart from that, it's still my channel. Every now and then, it also slowed down, unfortunately, due to some yeah personal reasons. But I think I'm getting back on track. You've been busy lately, I think. Uh, it seems so, yeah. Um, no, but yeah, mind. Hopefully, it's getting it's getting back to normal. Yeah, and I think lockdown's been interesting. I think uh, we've spoken about this. Um, we spoke about it with Vicky when she joined us a few months ago. I think lockdown affected people in different ways. Mm. For a lot of people, they discovered solo gaming for the first time. But for some of us that played a lot of solo games, for some reason, we played far fewer during lockdown. It just, <laughs> yeah, different reasons. But yeah. it's impacted everybody in one way or another. Yeah, I spent more time outside during the lockdown in my backyard. Mm. Yeah, so you were in the I same boat as us. Yeah. yeah. So joining us for the first time, special guest Albert Hernandez, who has not been on our podcast before, but Roger and I separately have both been on the One Player podcast, which Albert hosts earlier this year. So Albert, yep, so welcome that, to the close show. Enough. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to be here. It's nice to get to talk to you guys again. <laughs> and at the same time. talk to you. Yeah, for the first time. <laughs> so yeah, if people want to find you, they can find you uh one player podcast and Yep. Yeah. The one player podcast or the one player guild. Yeah. I, it's about the only two places I ever really go online. <laughs> I occasionally visit online, Twitter. Surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on Twitter once in a while, but I I, I just don't use it. <laughs> I, yeah. I I like anti social media. The mm. the board game geek guild that everybody <laughs> forgets is associated with a podcast. <laughs> yeah, M- many, many people in that guild have no idea there's even a podcast with the same name, which is funny. Which, you know, it's fine because the whole point of it was t- to for a place for people to talk about solo games and, yeah. you know, does that quite well. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's a credit to you that that has become the thing it has. And as you say, mm-hmm. that it, it would be lovely if everybody that was a member of the guild also subscribed to your podcast. But the fact that there are so many people that aren't even aware of it is just a testament to the the friendly atmosphere you've created there. Yep, yeah, it, it is really a nice place. It's and if you if you're here and listening to this, and you're not familiar with the the guild, you really should go check it out. Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in solo games, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah, it, it's been a busy year too. The I just finished the Kickstarter for the One Player Guild doing the their the challenge coins, the second mm-hmm. annual challenge coin. The first annual challenge coin was I think in 2015, so it's not. I, I remember it. Annual the right way, but yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize it was as long ago as that. <laughs> I think 2000, maybe 2016, but it's, it's been a while. Yeah, wow. And so I just finished shipping all those out. It was uh, quite a lot of work. It was about 200 orders, which is mm-hmm. small for a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine doing a Kickstarter with a thousand or more games in it because that that'll just really be overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to have someone ship it for you then at that point, no? Oh yeah, and and so I I probably shouldn't have done it, but I actually went and wrote a little note with everyone that I shipped out. Oh wow! wow. Either a note card or just a, a quick, super short thank you. Oh, oh no, you just wanted to use your fountain pen a bit more. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it was fun, you know, different color inks and whatnot, and, and play with all that. <laughs> so any any excuse. Yeah, guilty. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, right now there's a. I got my wife bought me an ink vent calendar, which has a different ink every day for for my fountain pen. So each day I'm trying out a different ink. It's, it's great fun. I'm trying to find anything to write. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Albert, what's your new to me game of the year? That's what we're here to talk about. So, so uh, I'll be like everybody else. There's two games I want to talk about. This, is, this is what we're doing this week, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's first things that way. So the the one I'm not going to talk about really, but would like to, is um, 
Iron Sworn, the RPG, which is it's not specifically solo, but it could be played cooperatively, solo, or or with a game master. Yeah, so th- th- that's one that some people describe it. Yeah, that's that, that's the game the game book, isn't it, Iron Sworn? That's um, it's, can be system neutral as well as having its own setting. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be system. I, I think that's true with any yeah. RPG, right? In yeah, theory, you could play D and D in a sci-fi setting if you really wanted to. It's it's a relatively chunky game. As a matter of fact, we're talking about it in the next episode that we're recording Tuesday. So, so if you okay. want to hear more about it, go go listen to the one player podcast. Yeah, and and when <laughs> this episode comes out, I'm assuming the one player podcast I'm Swan episode will already be up. I am. We have now started adding a week delay, so I'm not entirely sure. I Ooh, guess it's, it'll it's come out. Uh, yes, it's <laughs> but certainly by the time by the time you hear this, the bundle of holding offer for Iron Sworn uh, will have expired three days ago. Sorry. Uh, well, you know what? It's it's actually a free RPG because you could download it and play the game for free. Mm-hmm. If you want to buy the published book, you can't. And if you want to get the the companion book, you have to pay for that one, even if it's digital. But this is not the game I was going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so I should stop. The uh, the game I want to talk about, I actually just got and have played it a bunch already because I'm really enjoying it. And it was no surprise I was going to like this. It's um, Final Girl from Van Rider Games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, it's based on the game Hostage Negotiated, which if you're not familiar with it, it's a game where you're saving hostages from a, a hostage taker. What do they call it? Forget <laughs> Abductor. <laughs> Abductor, thank you. So in this one, this is a basically a, like a horror movie trope sort of game. So think of Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, that sort of game. And you play the, that last character that's always alive fighting the, the killer at the end, which is usually a, a woman for some reason, hence the term Final Girl. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just like um, Hostage Negotiator in terms of that main core mechanic where you have a deck of or a hand of cards that you could play and then each turn buy more cards to replace those and use them in one hostage negotiator using them to save the hostage specifically and talk with the, with the abductor here you're you're using them to run around on a map there's actually now a map in okay. every mm-hmm. every scenario and you're running around on the map using your cards to move and pick up equipment and things you find or rescue people and and attack the killer okay. so it's, it's a I really think, neat game mm-hmm. I think I must have completely just misread Hostage Negotiator over the years. I always thought it was a, a dice-driven game like Fuse or something. Hey. <laughs> it has dice and they are, they are definitely integral into it. Okay. You're rolling, you play in a card and the card either, and then you roll some dice and depending on how many successes you get will tell you how well you did based on the card you played. The card, for example, in a, in Hostage Negotiator mm-hmm. might be you're trying to free prisoners. If yeah. you If you roll two successes, you get... You, you might get two prisoners if you're one success. You might get one. And if you fail, you might end the conversation immediately. The, the guy hungs up on you. Okay. The Kickstarter that was a pretty massive one. I think it came really with a lot of different, I don't know, scenarios or ex- little extension boxes mm-hmm. or so. Did yes. It, all in kind of pledge level? I did go all in. I've not really <laughs> done that before for a Kickstarter. This is my first one. And you know what? I was overwhelmed. I'm not sure I'll do that again. Mm. <laughs> I've heard that. There's a lot of boxes that are involved with this. Yeah, so the way the game works is it's pretty unique. You get the box that has the core rules in it mm-hmm. and most of the cards you need, and then you buy a scenario box. And there's six, five or six different scenarios that came out, and they're each sort of tied into different uh, famous movies. Like there's one that's very much Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. uh, Camp Happy Trails, they call it. And there's another one that is um, Nightmare, what's it called? Some Terror on Maple Lane or something like that, which Nightmare is a Nightmare on Elm Street. Do, cool. do they do a Black Christmas one for this time of year? <laughs> 
No, there's no Christmas ones. There should have been. <laughs> Black Christmas is a, is a fantastic film. You should go and watch it if you haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Okay. What, what's, so what's neat is you buy the scenario pack, and it is a it has a location and a killer. And as you get more scenario packs, you could mix and match. You could play the killer from one scenario and the oh, location no, from the other one. Okay. Cool. So I think Hossett yep. Negotiator just had, just had uh, different Hossett ta- takers, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. There wasn't any any spatial aspect to it where you're running around yeah, on a map. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to ask, is there still a tracker? Because Hostel Negotiator yeah. had that thing, like, if he's, like, uh, if he's relaxed or really angry or whatever it is. How, yep, what, the, what is that representing that in this game, then? Um, the same sort of thing. It's it's the terror level. Okay. The 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 higher it is, the the weaker you are. You're rolling fewer dice. If you get it more down, I guess I forget what it's called. But if he's more subdued, I guess you're yeah. rolling more dice and able to do more. Okay. Um, the other interesting thing about it, and it's really more of a design idea and function in terms of the package itself. The box for the expansions is magnetic. And you, you flip off the lid, you pull off the lid entirely, and the back of it, the inside of it, is the the killer's board and yeah. has all the spaces for everything. You flip the box over, you pull off the back lid, and that's the location. Oh, nice. That's cool. And it's a really, it's a really, it's kind of a gimmick, but it's really neat and it's super it, functional. It's, it's, yeah, it is a gimmick, but I also, I always really like games that use the box in some way. Yep. I don't know I if agree. you've seen I, the latest... We're up to Marcus's Street again. The latest uh, Vina Knizia game, the Siege of Runadar. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, a, a, a cooperative deck builder where the insert is the castle you're defending. Mm. Totally Don't underrated you. designer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Obscure, nobody's heard of him. Ne- never heard of him. Is, is he designing your game, Marcus? Or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Well, I look forward it's to not hearing responding about it. my call so far, but I get there. Uh. <laughs> Maybe I should send him my ideas. <laughs> but isn't there? I think for hostage negotiator with some later there was also this this career mode or something like that. Is there uh, yeah, that, that's in Final Girl. Technically a separate game, but it, it's, it's basically game, a campaign okay. mode for hostage negotiator. Oh, it was really a different game yeah. then. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's not a different game. It, it really it's just a campaign mode, just like the campaign mode for uh, Imperial Settlers, where you, you play the game. And then after the game, you roll some dice and see what happens, and it will change future games a little bit. Is there some interconnectivity between Final Girl, or is it really all individual scenarios so far? They're individual scenarios. The 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 all-in Kickstarter that I backed had something in it brings a book, mm-hmm. so you could play different scenarios and there's stories between them, but I don't think that has any campaign aspect mm-hmm. to it, just other than more flavor text. Of course. So how similar would you say that they are then? Like if if you're someone like me who played Hostage Negotiator and thought it was fine, uh, is it still worth trying out? Or mm-hmm. you think they're so similar that if you didn't like one, you won't like the other? If you didn't like the mechanics of Hostage Negotiator, I'm guessing you're not going to like this one because it's yeah. basically that core mechanic is exactly the same. What yeah. What's different in here is you now have the board mm-hmm. with all the movement. Okay. And your cards are no longer dealing directly with the hostages there's a lot of them that are just about moving okay. or, or cards to pick up stuff. So you, you got more more to think about. Okay. But it is, it is that same uh, core mechanic. Yeah. And how does... You said you could pick up equipment. How does that work? Is that also a card that you pick into your hand or... Yeah, there's cards. So there's... Uh, on the board, there'll be some locations that have plate things in them. Uh-huh. And it depends from scenario to scenario. One of them, for example, any building you walk into could have stuff because there's... It's houses in a neighborhood. In another map, it was a... Um, 
it's a single house, and there's three rooms that have stuff. So if you go to those three rooms, you're then able to draw from a deck and uh, one room, one deck per room, and pick up stuff. Okay. So you're searching through there, finding stuff. How do they represent the whole Nightmare on Elm Street stuff? Then are you moving then through Dream World or what is it? Yeah, that was interesting. That actually had a Dream World section where when you're not when you're awake, mm -hmm. the killer can't hurt you and you can't hurt him. Mm -hmm. You could ignore each other. Mm -hmm. He could still kill the other victims. Mm -hmm. But if you want to fight him, you have to go to sleep and there's a rest card you could play to go to sleep. And once you do that, then you could take damage. And then there's also a, a little side deck of four or five cards that represent the killer in his boiler room. And <laughs> that's used to take damage from him. Hmm. It, it's neat. It's really neat how, how different each killer feels. Well, yeah. since we're doing this, I, I'm going to mention two games as well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But the reason... So the first one, the reason I'm not counting this is because... Um, It's in the Board Game Geek database. I found out about it because it's in the Board Game Geek database. As far as I'm concerned, it's not a game. <laughs> And this is Zen Tiles. So if I was to log my plays of Zen Tiles, which I don't because it's not a game, um, it would be my most played game of the year by a long stretch. So Zen Tiles is basically a, a meditation aid um, that's been designed for, for board gamers, really. Um, it's primarily solo, um, but I believe you can also play it cooperatively to help discuss difficult emotions if you're playing it with children, to maybe get them to open up about the day, about things they aren't talking about otherwise. Um, basically, you have a, a ruler in front of you, which represents the hours of the day, or you can also do um, years of your life, if you do it the other way. And you draw tiles from a bag, one at a time, and they'll have an, an emotion written on it, and you reflect on the day you've just had, and think about when you experienced that emotion and what caused it. And you do that ten times. If you pull out a, a tile that doesn't have that, then it has an emotion on it that you don't think you did experience, pa yeah. pass on it, draw another one. So it's a very board game mechanic, but you know it doesn't have a win-lose condition, you're not competing against anything, you're not scoring points. It's not really a game as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, I, I've been using it daily since my copy came to me a few months ago. And I, I found it's, uh, yeah, I found it really useful. Um, the thing that is a game <laughs> <laughs> is one we spoke about on this show a few months ago now, I think, which was Ginkgopolis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a game that released probably nearly 10 years ago now. It was out of print for a long time. It came back into print um, around this time last year, I think, or maybe the beginning of uh, beginning of 2021. Um, this is a, a city-building game in theme. In practice, it's very abstract. Um, you're managing resources, placing tiles um, orthogonally adjacent or vertically as well. Um, and you're drawing hands of cards to to do that. Solo game works fairly well. You're playing against a very basic scoring opponent that cheats the way that all basic scoring opponents do. <laughs> um, I think in the multiplayer game, it's uh, a drafting game with your cards. I'm not entirely certain about that because I still haven't played it with other people because, well, I mean, one, why would I anyway? And <laughs> two, COVID makes that even more difficult. <laughs> But yeah, 
Good God what what made you discover this then, if you're solo? What, how did you stumble upon this then to say, this is now it's, my game to try it out for solo? So, Gint Godless is a game that gets recommended in, going back to the One Player Guild again. Um, mm. It's a game that gets recommended in the One Player Guild, I was going to say fairly regularly, perhaps less often now than it used to. Um, and I think that's just because, you know, so many new solo games have come out in recent years that Gint Godless was out of print for quite a long time. Mm. So it would get recommended and people would say, oh, but it's out of print. And now it's back in print and nobody's recommending it. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was why. It had been on my list of games to to buy, to try for a long time. Um, so when it came back into print, that was the opportunity to jump onto it. Because um, it was the second-hand market on it. It was one of those games that had seen inflated prices. You were talking to you know, 70, 80 pounds for a mm. copy, which was just getting stupid for for what it is. Mm. I mean, it's a good game, but then you, then you get collectors getting involved. Yeah, exactly. And when, and when collectors get involved and start pricing things as a thing rather than as a, a pastime, a toy, then it's, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, then it's time to sell your copy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, as I did with one game earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, I remember they would talk about it a lot on Low Player Account. I seem to remember it was really popular with them also. Mm. Yeah, I remember that too. But that that probably was six years ago now, right? Yeah, they've been off air for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that, yeah. yeah. And even then, I remember they talked about how hard it was to find. Mm. I think one of them said oh, he yeah. went and, and uh, spent a bunch of money trying to get a copy of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it originally... I haven't, I haven't got the database up in front of me. I think it originally came out in something like 2012. Mm. Yeah, um, I just checked this 2012. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's probably... You know, if, if it sold out sort of within two, three years of that, then you're probably mm. talking five, six years it was out of print for. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, very abstract, um, but you know, a, a solid, mechanically interesting, light system. Um, some similar in some of the other games we've discussed in this podcast in the last year. I think you know the the rules complexity is is not great, but it offers a good amount of depth for for the rules that are there. Back back to the other game you mentioned, the Zentiles. Yeah, how long? That's a pretty quick game, I guess, right? Just a yeah. few minutes. Yeah, sort of 10 to 15 minutes. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I tend to play that um, first thing in the first thing in the morning. See, I said play now. I'm doing board game language. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tend to do that sort of first thing in the morning when I get up. I reflect on the day that I had the day before. Um, I think, uh, you know, they suggest you do it before going to bed. Either way works. Um, yeah. And there's a, a couple of couple of editions they brought out. There's a, a solo-only box. I think is something like an inch and a half by about two and a half inches. It's a tiny oh, box. Um, and then the uh, the co-op box, which I would access right now, is under a pile of boxes here that I've... <laughs> a pile of copies of Maze Howl that I'm posting out. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you're using Amazon boxes to hold your door open, right? In the background or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's somebody's Christmas <laughs> present that's going out. I spent yesterday wrapping up presents. Ah, already? <laughs> wow, wow yeah. definitely ahead of the game here. Yeah. So, I, so I with Zentiles, you have, you have a secondary mode of, if you keep thinking of it in terms of winning, that gives you something else to meditate about. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You can start to analyse that facet of yourself. <laughs> Why am I so competitive? I even need to beat myself. <laughs> when you say, I think, when you say co-op, when, when you first mentioned it, I really thought about it, this would be basically a solo kind of, of, of thing, but you're saying it's basically a co-op box, so are you then supposed to 
talk about your feelings if you're playing it cooperatively or with I think that's players? I think that's the idea mm. um I, you know I've, I've glanced at the the multiplayer rules as it were um and I think you know that they particularly talk about that as being um helpful for you know if you're a parent with a child that's perhaps mm. you can see they're unhappy and struggling with things mm-hmm. but maybe playing it with them to get them to open up about things mm-hmm. that they aren't talking about um, yeah that's a nice idea because yeah, you're sort of a Doing it as a family game, yeah, introducing exactly. that mm. Exactly. So, I, as I say, it's, it's sort of a meditation exercise that's um, themed mm. towards board gamers, and you, you, you're inter- interacting with something in a tactile way, and it's, it's very approachable in that respect. And they, they, I'll say they've done a couple of Kickstarter campaigns for it as well, and the, the last one in particular, there was a really nice idea that instead of stretch goal, well, I think they had some stretch goals for adding things to it, but also what they did was um, for every so many backers or money that was raised, they donated a copy to, um, I think, uh, schools that, dealt, that deal with um, mentally disadvantaged children. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some also some uh, care homes for senior citizens have got dementia and things and donating copies to specific um, institutes around Japan. So that was really nice as well. Oh, well, that's nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the material of these stones then? Um, the the sort of the small box basic solo one that I mentioned is um, MDF laser cut mm-hmm. MDF. Um, the the bigger box the the bigger box it's it's really not that big, <laughs> um, but that has bamboo. The the ruler is bamboo, and then the uh, the tiles are uh, a glass. Oh, nice. So. Uh, so not acrylic, it's really glass. No, it's actually actually little glass tiles. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. That's nice. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah, it's really, sort really of, nice. they, well made. They I sort think. of look like the Hexbug size tile. Or not Hexbugs, the... Uh, what's the game with the bugs? I forget. Where you're moving the tiles hive, around. No? Hive, no? Hive. Hive, yes. Mm. It's about like that size, maybe? Maybe the travel hive? Uh, yeah, it's an idea. probably... Two hmm. centimeters, three quarters of an inch. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. But yeah, I mean, even to say, even the big box is not huge. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the question is: Is there a deluxe upgrade kit? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> but this will be plastic miniatures then. <laughs> oh, <goodness. Yeah>, <laughs> Have little poses representing the emotions. Exactly. Yeah. Anger emotion. <laughs> Get this Arkham wipes or so. I don't know. The only the only thing about it that's confused me, one of the emotions is tasty. And I've, I've got <laughs> no idea what that emotion is meant to be. <laughs> Could be a translation thing. I don't know. Well, that, that's what I wondered. Um, mm. I did read a thread about it on Board Game Geek and somebody came back to me with what the translation was. And that is sort of literally what what the Japanese character is, mm. but I still wonder if it's being used in a slightly different way. Yeah. Hmm. No. Yeah, I mean, is, is this something I enjoy or is it something I want to consume? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will try and feel rather tasty today if I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds positive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh... Okay. <laughs> oh thanks very much all of you for joining us um, uh, I'm sorry we couldn't all be together on the same day but I think we've still managed to have two really good conversations and this one's been fun mm-hmm. yeah thank yeah, you yeah it's thank been you. a lot of fun thank you thanks thank for you. having me
So thanks for joining us at More Games Than Time. We'll be back again in the new year. Have a good Christmas, everyone. Mm-hmm.